This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast preview show. It is, of course, Friday, uh, just a little bit past seven. We are live, obviously, uh, and I'm Stanford Chidge. And I've got the uh, erudite Mr. Jonathan Kidd with me. Thank you very much. If I'm erudite, I ought to speak like that, wouldn't I, really? Yes. You sound Thank like Brian, you Brian, is it Brian Cox? Brian, Brian Sewell. Brian Remember Sewell. Him, Brian Sewell. He was like that all the time. He yes. was always in a farce, so it's quite appropriate, really, that you're adopting the character of Brian Sewell. This is always a farce, isn't it? Let's be honest. No, Brian Sewell was the Evening Standard Arts critic. It was, wasn't he? He was, yes, yes. yes. He always, was always wheeled in to make some kind of view, a, a, a contrary view. Very plummy. Very plummy. I think it's absurd. How are we watching this? This program is terrible. Look at this terrible construction, this building. Who have we got? Oh. Who have we got on this terrible program tonight? This terrible program tonight. We have the the here's the here's an erudite would suit this man here. The uh, the uh, the previously ill but recovered. I hope. I wish everybody wishes his uh, the thumb is up. The thumb is up. The the excellently opinionated Mr. Martin Wickham. Evening all. I can do the Brian Cox bit if, you, if it just means me shouting fuck off at random. Not that Brian Cox. Oh, bugger, I'm thinking of the guy <laughs> of Succession, aren't I? <laughs> That's the Brian Cox from Succession, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off! All right, I will, uh, Martin. It's it, I can't say how lovely it is to see you. It's always lovely to see you. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you on Sunday for the first time this season. Indeed, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back. Yes. Um, was that good as part last week? But you know, different home than away. Um, yeah, be be good. Good shout. Can't wait for it. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to tonight's show as well. And the show would not be the show without this fine journalistic gentleman, would it, J.K.? Well, I, let me have a look. Who is it? Um, let me see. 
I've got his name written down here. Hang on a moment. And, uh, and, and, um, uh, oh, it's him again. Hello. It's the lovely Adam Newson. Hello, JK. I hope you're going to continue this shit the whole recording. <laughs> Got this voice for the whole program. Yes, yes yeah. if you like. No, I, yes, I, I, I shall ban him from that now. There you go. You got away lightly there, Adam, by the looks of it. I'm delighted to say. How are you? Uh, hot. How are you guys? Yeah, melting, mate, melting. But I, I'm not going to complain about the weather because uh, I do I do like the sun. Uh, it's better than the rain as far as I'm concerned, although we could do with some. I appreciate that. Um now, let me start with you. Obviously, we're going to have a, a chat to Adam about uh, the Chelsea news, which will focus around the press conference today. Uh, we actually got our first opposition view of the season. Uh, we've got the, the, the lovely, although I hesitate to say, no, he, he, Ricky is a lovely bloke. The only thing wrong with Ricky is that he's a Spurs fan. But other than that, he's actually a lovely bloke and he's kindly done us uh, an opposition view. Uh, and he's done it as a pre-record. So uh, those of you listening live will have to wait. Although I might play it in, you might hear it. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, that's in part two. And in part three, of course, we get to preview the Chelsea Spurs match, of course, as we always do. Um, but Adam, um, I'm presuming you were at the press conference and physically at it. Was it in Cobham or was it at Stamford Bridge? It was at Cobham, and yes, I was there. It partly gave me two hours in an air-conditioned car. So, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, good. And, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I, obviously I've thought really long and hard about this first question, as you can probably tell, because I know that a lot of the questions were focusing on, on the transfer window, of course, as you would expect. So I, I thought I'd ask you this question, Adam, following on from our excellent chat about things, all things Tuchel last week. Has Tuchel got everything he needs Adam, and of course, you know, there's a lot of conjecture about whether Aubameyang, Fafana or Frankie de Jong might join. So what, what's going on with all of that? So in Tuchel's opinion, no, he doesn't have everything he needs. So the song is yet. wrong. The song is wrong then. Because we, we always sing, he's got everything he needs. It's not true, right? Well, not if, if you're Thomas Tuchel at the moment. He wants another centre-back. And I think, you know, we all know it is what we Fafana Chelsea are going after. He would like another attacker. Um, again, he he admitted that in the press conference today. Um, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang is very much his choice. Um, Oba, Oba, as he calls him, Oba. Look, they worked together at Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Aubameyang had his best ever scoring season under Tuchel. Uh, yes, he's now thirty-three. Yes, he may have fallen out with Nicolas Sutter at Arsenal, but Tuchel seems to have this just connection with Aubameyang that he doesn't tend to have with players. I mean, I remember last year um, in the context of Chelsea being interested in Aubameyang when he was still at Arsenal, Tuchel was asked about his relationship with Aubameyang and he essentially said that, you know, they got on great. Aubameyang wasn't the strictest in terms of his timekeeping, maybe in a lot of things that Tuchel, you'd kind of expect Tuchel to be very hot on um, and normally he is, but he seems to let Aubameyang get away with a few bits uh, when he was at Dortmund. Um, so clearly there's a level of affection there that maybe he doesn't always have for every player. So it's understandable why Tuchel is pushing for him. Um, whether or not Chelsea are going to commit to the financial out there, they would need to get uh, to get him out of Barcelona, even though Barcelona are, are obviously in an absolute mess. Um, I'm not sure uh, at this stage. Um, and they'll probably bring in Frankie de Jong, you know, there's still confidence Chelsea can get a, a fee agreed to Barcelona without too much trouble on De Jong. It's just whether or not they can convince De Jong to leave Barcelona. 
despite the fact he's being scapegoated, treated badly, whatever you want to say about Barcelona, he seems still at the moment willing to say. Um, there was a, a video of him driving away and somebody shouting at him, you greedy bastard, take a, take a, a pay cut. Did you see well, that? He, yes, I did see that. And the funny thing is, the last couple of seasons, he has taken a wage deferral. Uh, he took a wage deferral to help Barcelona through the pandemic, uh, along with several other players. And he's owed now 17 million euros. So it's a lot of money to just walk away from. And, and I am finding the Barcelona rhetoric of, well, you either take another pay cut or you have to leave. Those are your two options. Quite amusing because this is a man that does have a contract. And they may argue about the validity of that contract, but he's still a contract. And I don't see why him digging his heels in is, is an issue, uh, unless you're Barcelona, of course. So, so yeah, that's kind of where we are. Um, Tuchel wants more signings. Whether or not he'll get them, I think we'll probably find out in the next couple of weeks, of course. Okay. But it's going to cost a lot of money. No, that's worth I'm worth no, worth no. Hang on, hang on a minute, Jonathan. That that's that's actually worth knowing because. I'm not sure. Well, it's really difficult to know whether we are going to get any more. Jonathan, what did you want to say? I was intrigued by his talking about Aubameyang really affectionately. Well, he, and, he called um, him his player, didn't he? Which I thought yeah, was interesting. He's still his player. He said he's still uh, that he has an, uh, some players he, he has an affinity with, and he's still he's still they are still part of his his environment, as it were. And I, I thought that was fascinating. Uh, maybe actually. maybe that I one. found the press conference all in general, completely fascinating because it because he refused to answer any questions on the transfers, which is absolutely fair enough. He became, he was much more, he was talking much more t- tactics. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to get into that. Impre- we're going to get, get in, in, okay. yeah, yeah, that's, it's all in the running order. You know the thing I email? No, I know, but I never look at that, as you know. know. Well, if you did, then you would know that it was going to be in there very soon. Uh, okay, you're Brian. telling me. I'm not Shall telling you off. I'm, I'm no. I'm no. I'm no. No. There's them. a difference between. Look, they're my witnesses. I, okay. Hands up, all those who think I'm actually scolding Jonathan or just merely pointing out facts. Martin, he's pleading the fifth. It, it's it's. I'm pleading the fifth. You're on pleading that the one, fifth. Yeah. Probably a very wise. Uh, Mar- Parents are arguing. Don't get involved. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's very sensible policy. Uh, Martin, I, I did want to have a quick chat with you about it because I I I, I was really quite positive about. What we, you know, the transfers that we got in a week ago when we did the preview show, uh, it was borne out by excellent performances, I thought, by all of the new arrivals, Sterling, Koulibaly and Cucurella, who I think looks a real player. Um, would you be bothered if we didn't get anybody else or would you have a problem with that? Um, it's not so much whether I'd be bothered with it, it's whether Thomas Tuchel would be bothered with it. He clearly feels we're lacking in those areas. Mm. So if we were not to not get them now, he'd probably have a bit of a, sulk on and no doubt that'll be become a become a saga over the next few weeks i am slightly concerned that you know we appear to be you know paying a premium on these yeah. i think for Farner is a little bit overpriced but leicester have you know managed to pull man united's pants down over harry Maguire, so they're probably thinking yeah we, we can charge that the de Jong thing is just fucking weird and a bamiang just feels like an another stopgap um you know it'd be like a slightly, you know, less good-looking Olivier Giroud, <laughs> and hopefully, you know, gets the gets crucial goals and that. My other concern is I don't know if anyone's been watching that all or nothing documentary with Arsenal. Spoiler alert: it was nothing. Um, but you know, apparently, Aubameyang's behaviour forms a key part of it, and you know, if Tuchel was to indulge that, would that cause resentment within other members of the team? And I'm not sure that's a risk worth taking when. It's only things are only 
seemingly just starting to settle down after all the upheaval of the last um, six months or so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very weird thing because, you know, Havertz is nominally the striker. There's a doubt about... The, the, what... non-stri- the non-striking yeah. striker. <laughs> well, there's a doubt about whether he can cut it and score the goals. Sterling's untried at Chelsea, although he can score goals, but he's not necessarily a striker. So it's it's a weird old thing, isn't it? The other it? thing is with Sterling, well, that he got a lot of goals at Man City, but a he, lot of you know he was never the primary striker. There no. was always Aguero, there's someone else, and you know he would be able to move in where others people you know were marking other players, and he'd be able to mop up after that. Whether he if he gets focused on as the primary attacking player that he may struggle but he looked good last Saturday so let's see mm, how we go we will well he, of course he, he also had Kevin De Bruyne to pass to him at Man City which I think was instrumental now um let's move towards the the, the Spurs game which amazingly the press actually did talk about uh, well well done the journalists I'm sure we can thank Adam a lot for that I tell you what I thought was interesting actually in the in the broader picture which we're all going to get on to in part three about Spurs and whether they uh, you know, provide a threat or not. But I was very intrigued. I mean, he, you know, you expect these kind of platitudes from managers when other managers are being spoken about. But he clearly has a lot of respect for Conte, which I actually think is not a daft thing to have because we all know how good he is. And I think it's quite wise of Tuchel to be cognizant of that fact, Adam. Yeah, he does. Uh, he has a lot of respect for him. Um, can't, you know, there, there's more quotes coming out later today. Friday as we record from Conte. Um, and it's clear, yeah, he, he has a lot of respect for him. He believes Conte is a coach who can transform an ordinary team into an excellent team, um, which I guess you can argue he did that first season at Chelsea because it was, was the same squad pretty much to finish 10th and then he took them to the title. So, so yeah, there's a lot of respect on Tuchel's part. Um, I think he knows for the most part how Tottenham are going to play. It's whether or not Chelsea are going to be able to nullify that they did that very well in the three games in, in January. But I think this is a Tottenham team that's come a long way since then. They're a lot more confident. They, they've obviously worked with Conte longer. They look incredibly fit. Um, maybe the fittest team in the Premier League at this point. Um, and speaking to my, uh, my colleague who, who covers Spurs and is a Tottenham fan, who is naturally very pessimistic, He's saying this is the best Tottenham have looked for several years, including the Pochettino years. So I think there is reason for concern on Sunday, um, but I don't think there's any chance of Tuchel not knowing what to expect and trying to plan accordingly for that. Um, it's just whether or not the players out there will be, well, I guess, fit enough fundamentally. Because I think we saw after maybe 70, 75 minutes against Everton that, that most of the Chelsea guys were pretty much out on their feet and just sitting back and hoping for the best. He said um, in the press conference that um, he thought that Tottenham were the best, counter, one of the best counter-attacking teams in Europe, if not the best. And he said what you had to do, I find it fascinating actually, he said what you have to do is, is prevent the counter-attack. And that's his main advice to the team. And so it makes you realise why these long shots, why we don't have as many shots as people would like, because the number of times the ball rebounds and they're off because he thinks that Son and Kane are completely brilliant. It's the way they play out. But it's also because that suits Conte. That's that's his excuse me, one of his great strengths. So I'm intrigued to see he actually mentioned you dominate the game, try and keep the ball in the opposition's half as much as possible. And there must be something else. You must press. It's the press 
outside. And it makes you realise how important the two wing backs are and how we were blessed with, with two great, great wing backs at the top of their game when we won the Champions League with um, um, Chilwell and, uh, uh, and Rhys James. And I think since they've not performed, we've not been the same side. And uh, um, I'm intrigued as to as to what I'd love to see the training process. We obviously were denied that as to how they play, how they work out how we're going to stop another team counterattacking. It must mean biting them off really early when they get the not ball. not giving the ball and, away would be one. I think indeed, and not giving the ball. Indeed, well, I suppose that's one of the the downsides of it of passing backwards and sideways is is that you you it looks as if we're not attacking i suppose ultimately though what you're doing is not giving the ball away not allowing them to counterattack i just found that that um uh that quite interesting and also the fact that he mentioned kukaia as he kept calling him kukaia rather than kukarella um uh i think he'll play tomorrow kukarella i think he'll i've said it kukarella um and that that unless chilwell steps up further i think we're going to see see him playing um, in his place, uh, unless, of course, he plays um, uh, in a three, but I'm, I'm not sure whether that's going to happen. But I just found it um, uh, intriguing that clearly Tuchel has a plan already for the way to play against Spurs, which he, you know, we beat them four times last season and didn't concede a goal. So, you know, that something has to, to change. As you say, they've got a better side and they're very fit, but um, we are dealing with two you say great football minds, except Conte is just likely to throw his toys out of the pram at some stage. But if it all goes goes wrong, but um, uh, it, it should be fascinating as a consequence to see. I now be looking to see what they do to suppress this the uh, the counter attack. I mean, it's in, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the team selection a bit later. But Adam, did you want to come in? Sorry, mate. Yeah, I was just going to say. I think you know it's an excellent point, JK, and I think this is why we we end up seeing. And look, it's, it's not just a Tottenham on the counter thing. This is something Tuchel's highlighted about a couple of teams. And I think it is why we do see Chelsea maybe at times playing a lot safer than we would want them to. And why this system is designed to keep the ball and not expose certain players to counter-attacking situations. Because we know players like Jorginho can't run. Thiago Silva is 37 years old, nearly 38. He can be exposed if left isolated. We've now got Aspi probably in that situation as well. You don't want Aspi having to charge back to his own goal. So that is why the 3-4-3 three, three has probably saved this season and why Chelsea's setup is maybe more cautious than a lot of us would like. It's to try and ensure that you're not taking too many risks. Now, there is downsides, as you said, JK, to that. And, and we've all seen them where Chelsea have, have yeah, Mar- slowed down the tempo far too much. Yeah, Martin? complete the defensive set. I think Koulibaly might have been a bit surprised by the pace of the game last week and he cramped up at the end, didn't he? So I don't think you can expose him to counter-attacks at this early stage. Look, Like I say, he looked very good, but I'm slightly concerned at players on the first game of the season cramping and getting muscle injuries after 70 oh. minutes. That was, on, that was on both sides. It is very hot. Week. It is very hot, and that's a point I want True. to come back to in a minute. But before I do, just to pick up on excellent points that JK and Adam were making, you know, the real irony about all of this, or, or the conflict about all of this, is that, you know, the point that you were making, Adam, about the fact that we have to play certain players to protect, you know, the players who can't really, you know, don't have the legs, as in Jorginho, Asby, Silver. But if you want to stop the counterattack, as I said, the best thing to do is to not give the ball away. And, of course, Jorginho is the best at keeping the ball in the side. That's what he's really, really good at. So you, if you want to keep the ball, you play Jorginho. 
But if you don't want to get hit on the counter-attack, you don't want to be playing Jorginho. I mean, you know, this is why Tuchel, <laughs> earn, earn, this is why Tuchel earns a lot of money, you know, because that is a really tough decision, I think. I mean, as it happens, I'll sneakily uh, preview or tease my team selection. I haven't picked Jorginho based on A, last week's performance, and B, the fact that, you know, if you're playing a counter-attacking team, you really don't want somebody like him who's going to be left for dead. And it's happened before against Spurs, as we know. But on the other hand, I'm also torn because he is the best at keeping the ball. You know, Kovacic and Kante will give it away a lot more than Jorginho. There is no doubt about that. So it's a very, it'll be a very tough call, the team selection. Now, Kovacic what... is injured, so that might... Okay, yeah. well, okay, then... Bannered it further. And well, I, didn't know, I didn't know he was injured. It didn't say yeah. on my... Yeah, it came, it came up on the press conference this afternoon. He, he ruled yeah. out he ruled out Kovacic injury, and I think it was Alonso on the basis that I think Barcelona have pulled a lever or found a fiver down the back of the sofa, so that transfer's going ahead. Yeah, fiver would be great, in there. Great question, that was. Well, question. Who thought about asking this? Was that you, Adam? Uh, was, that, was, was that Miguel Delaney? That was me asking the team news because nobody else did. Well, I tell you what, mate. I, I, I couldn't watch the presser because I was busy, but I, I read your report. And how did I miss the fact that Kovacic was injured then? Speaking of press conferences, who was the prick who asked Raheem Sterling about an incident that happened four years ago to try and stir it up? I don't know. That was, that was that was twenty four hours ago, Malcolm. Yeah, oh, fair enough. But yeah. I thought it was a bit below the belt. Well, typical, really. But he answered yeah. it well. He speaks very well, Sterling. He's a very impressive young man. As well, well, he's a North. He's a, he's a man from Northwest London. I, you know, I, I teach like you myself. Up. We're all, you know, we're all, we're all, you know, scholars and saints down down that gentlemen, way. Gentlemen, so, gentlemen, yeah, gentlemen and scholars. I so, you right Ra- up for that, Raheem, if you fancy a, a pint in, you know, Stonebridge or in your local, in your collective I'm in Harrow local. these days, oh, mate. <laughs> Listen, we meet, meet, meet we, down the road. We mentioned, um, you know, Martin. You mentioned players, well, Koulibaly cramping up, but there were others as well, actually, against Everton last week. It's going to possibly be a minimum of thirty-four, thirty-five on Sunday at half past four. Uh, it'll probably be a lot hotter than that inside a stadium with forty-two thousand people, uh, creating even more heat. Adam, he said something that has intrigued me, as you can see from, because I, I mean, I know you will have read the running order, so. Uh, I've, oh. I, I, I dug, uh, I dug, I dug out this quote, which was, oh, oh dear, what, have I, what, what, what have I done? What have I done? He said, he said, to quote, patterns to cool the, they've got plans and patterns to cool the body temperature. And I wrote WTAF. We all know what that means. What is he talking about, Adam? I assume he means through keeping possession and you then can have a breather on the ball. You're obviously not exposed to the counter-attack, as we said. And it does give everyone a chance to quickly get their breath back and, and hopefully not overheat. Um, I assume that's what he meant, based on sort of my understanding. But he may have been... Good point, isn't it? Because counter-attacking, counter-attacking takes a lot out of you. So in actual fact, if you are keeping the ball more like that, the opposition are then still having to move around to try and get the ball. So it, there, there's, that's a good point, actually. I didn't quite get Are that we point. sure that WTAF doesn't mean water tanks and fans? No, that was me saying what the actual fuck, actually. <laughs> I was. Know, it, well, it, was I li- know. it was literal rather than me trying to be I clever. Know, I, I know, know, I know, I know. I know. It's just, well, you, you, you'd imagine there's going to be cooling breaks and all that palaver, there are, isn't there? There are, aren't so there? I, mean, I, would, I would imagine patterns to keep the body cool are the ones I use are do not fucking move. So I don't think that works in the con- context of a football match. But um, we'll see. I mean, I know I remember during the restart a couple of years ago when the cooling breaks were in place, irrespective of temperature, and 
well, Frank used them quite well, didn't he? Because he used them as coaching intervals. So you'd imagine if, you know, things are a bit shit after 20 minutes and they stop the game because hydration, that will give him a chance to correct things more in-game, which may help. But I'd imagine someone like Conte doing exactly the same thing with added theatrics and it may cancel out. Mm. It's going to be intriguing. We don't often see the players playing in conditions like this over here. Although, of course, as Adam said last week, they were not happy about having to play in conditions exactly like this in Florida, were they, Adam? No, but you maybe hope that that's prepared them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, for this. Um, obviously, Tottenham were out in, in Korea, and I think we all saw the pictures on social media of Harry Kane growing up, and you know they were in 30 degrees. Pictures, we love to well. see it. As Are you sure that we love to see it? Are you sure that wasn't for like one of their weird game shows they have over there where they just torture people and get them spewing up on television? I've seen, heard about the videos and yeah, it did amuse me, as did Harry Kane attempting to play cricket on Monday night and losing to an Irishman. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think I don't know what's going to happen on the Sunday. My, my fear has been a week that, that I'm going to run over Chelsea just because of, they're in a better position fitness-wise. But the heat might be a bit of an equaliser because mm. even with Conte's ridiculous regiment for getting players fit, there is a limit to how much you can do when it's at home. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a general point. I mean, we, we picked up on Tuchel, you know, understandable. And I think actually, as I said, quite right to, to be respectful of Conte. But do you, I mean, I'm going to ask this to the chaps in part three, but do you, do you think Conte's begun to put his stamp on Tottenham? And do you think we should be a bit concerned? I mean, in, in the context of, first of all, they'll be rivals for a top four place. I think that's clear. But secondly, God forbid, the worst case scenario, they might actually win something. That's the other worry. We can't have Tottenham winning anything. Do you think it's a worry? Yeah, I do. And as I said earlier, you know, we all know what Antonio Conte can do as a coach. He is high maintenance, probably the most high maintenance coach you could hire, but the guy is a winner and does not accept anything else. Um, he has forced Tottenham and Daniel Levy to spend money before August, which is a huge win in itself. The Tottenham squad looks probably stronger than it ever has done in the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, and as I say, Conte is a guy who will just not let up. He will push Tottenham to levels that they probably haven't reached before. He's got a system that we know can win a title. Um, whether or not that's going to be enough to rebel City and Liverpool in this season, I'd probably say no. But yeah, I think they're going to be genuine top four rivals for Chelsea. Um, maybe to, you know for that third spot, if, if that's where we're thinking Chelsea are going to go this year. And it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the only thing is his record in cup competitions we know isn't great. In Europe, it's not great. And I know he did win the FA Cup here, but but he, that's probably the only sort of thing against him. But um, but yeah, so I've been worried about Tottenham all summer just because the business they're doing has been good. Their players Conte wants. He's happy. We know that probably won't last long. Uh, he's happy at the moment. Tottenham look in a very good position, and and as I say, they probably got the maybe the second best striker in the league or the first best striker, depending if you rate Erling Hall in that highly. So, so yeah, they they're a genuine threat in my eyes. Mm. J.K. He seems to have done well with several of the purchases, hasn't he? They seem to have gelled, which makes one wonder what. I suppose you know, we were we were didn't know what was going to happen with the club at all, so we've been slightly behind with our purchases, but. Um, Kulosevsky has become a very good player indeed for them. And uh, um, he never mentioned in any situation uh, as regards Chelsea, as with few people. That's why we've had this mad rush for 
with idiocy of these people being suggested. It'd be interesting to see the role that Richarlison plays um, because he's a nasty little shit and uh, uh, the chances are that um, there'll be some weird attempt to get a foul that involves him kicking a Chelsea player and falling over and being initially given the foul by Taylor and then uh, having to be reminded by VAR that in fact it was Richarlison who did the kicking in the first place, um, as happened with the great incident with uh, uh, Marcus Alonso when it was scragged by the goalkeeper. But um, no, they, they're, they're playing very well together. Um, so, uh, but if, 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 this, uh, if they're nullified, which appears to be the way that uh, TT will play against them, it's going to be fascinating. Well, we will Absolutely. see. I guess the one... Can I just ask a question? So, can I ask a question? How do you pronounce H-O-J-B-J-E-R-G? Because I'm... I'm Hoiberg. I'm Bimmy... Hoiberg. 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 Play for Southampton. Hoiberg. 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 Say it in the style of Brian Sewell. Hoiberg. <laughs> you can't, can you? Hoiberg. <laughs> Oh, you're actually dribbling doing that. Yeah, I know, I did dribble. You, you're dribbling, dribble. mate. It's, it's gone so bad, bad you're dribbling already. If I purse my lips to do the voice, I can't help but do Herberg. Yeah, good. I just wondered because it seems very strange to me. I shall ask. I shall ask. I've got a Dan Danish friend. Good. Uh, Thank Adam, you. Adam, just... did you want to make another point? Or... I was just going to say that the one reassuring thing about Conte that we know is no matter how good he is this season, it is going to blow up eventually. Yeah. So it's not going to be a Tottenham dynasty or anything like that because within two years, <laughs> gonna, I imagine. Oh, well. Sooner rather than later. Now, um, we've kind of been talking a little bit about what what, uh, what we might expect from Tottenham. So uh, who better to ask uh, than a Tottenham supporter? And uh, we've got one coming up in the opposition view after this break. But before we do that, it's a massive, huge, lovely thank you, as always, to the wonderful Adam Newson from London for coming on and talking to this rabble on a Friday evening. Well done, you. No worries, guys. Thank you very much for having me on, as always. And uh, are you there bright and early on Sunday? I will be there. Well, I don't really know what's going on with the trains. I really need to have a look at that. Um, but I will be there, yes, after okay. taking my daughter to the football train. All right. Hopefully I'll bump into you. I'm planning to get there quite early, actually, but we'll see. Uh, I'll give you a bell when I get there. Anyway, enjoy the match, Adam. I know you will. Work hard. I know you always do. Uh, brilliant to see you, as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you, guys. Brilliant. There we go. The fantastic Adam Newsom from Football.London. We will be back very soon after this very short break to uh, listen to what Ricky Sachs from The Last Word on Spurs has to say in the opposition view. Don't go away. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Cheech, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? 
Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper chels. Welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast, part two. I am uh, Stanford Chidge, of course, and I'm joined by the lovely Jonathan Kidd. Live long and prosper. And the uh, uh, comparatively normal Martin Wickham. Evening. Lovely to see you both, as always. Uh, Right, now, uh, it's time for this. The Opposition View. Yep, that's right. Uh, The Opposition View is back. Didn't get my act together last Friday, well, Thursday, because we recorded on Thursday. Uh, But I did this week, uh, and as it spurs, our old mate, uh, Ricky Sachs, from uh, The Last Word on Spurs has done a little pre-record for us. He couldn't join us tonight because he had the good sense to avoid us and also to to, to go to the pub, if I know Ricky. But uh, he's uh, he sent us this little piece, which I will play for you now. Hi there, guys. Ricky Sachs here from The Last Word on Spurs. Hope you're keeping all very, very safe and well. Thanks so much once again for bringing me on the show. Big, big game. It is the test for Tottenham once again of Stamford Bridge. As you guys know, Not a happy hunting ground for Spurs. Our last success there back in 2018. Ironically, when Conte was your manager. So it's bizarre going into a game of this magnitude at a London derby where, ironically, Spurs seem to be favourable to get some kind of a result. And I think, again, a lot of that is down to the summer work Spurs have done, of course, under Antonio Conte and securing themselves Champions League football at the back end of last season. Um, Spurs in general, I've got to say, started off really well in terms of the season. Great win up against Saints at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I think in general, despite the fact Spurs fell behind, they always seemed in the ascendancy and they always seemed that belief they were always going to come back into that game and win it. And I think just the magnitude of how Spurs performed on the day, the confidence they showed, the swagger, the composure, it's a new look Tottenham we're seeing over the course of the last six months at the back end of last season with Antonio. I think you've seen over the summer... Spurs already six new players through the door before even the start of the season. A seventh about to be announced in Destiny Adugi that will go back on loan to Undanese. But um, the way Spurs have moved about their business this summer, it feels like Conte has really put his stamp on the club in general now. The way the club are operating, the way they're moving, the way Spurs are actually playing on the field. 
there's just at the moment this unbelievable amount of confidence around the football club. I know personally everybody is absolutely enjoying it and there's now a real belief in terms of the season as to what Tottenham can achieve. But the great thing about Sunday is this is an acid test for Tottenham. It's seeing how far we've come. Stanford Bridge, as you guys know, is not a happy hunting ground for Spurs. I think we've won one out of the last possible 21 away at Stanford Bridge. So we're going to really see just how much Spurs have progressed under Conte. I think he said at the back end of last season, he would love to have taken Spurs there now with his team. And that was before making the six signings over the summer. And the great thing is we saw up against Saints that actually none of those players even featured, such as the depth of Spurs' squad now in general. So... When you're looking at the weekend, um, I don't think there'll be too many changes from that game against Saints. I think he may even keep the same team. There is an argument to say that he may decide to bring Perisic in as opposed to Sessegnon, but he did score last week and had a really good game. So I'm not sure what that would do for his confidence if we were to drop Sess for Perisic. But you want your big players to play. The Harry Kanes, the Hummingsons, the Eric Dyers, the Hugo Larises, the Christian Romeros. We need all these guys to step up. It's a massive opportunity for Tottenham to lay a marker down, really, of the intent for this season. And that's what I think isn't clear in this one. What will be the intent of Tottenham? Are they going to go to Chelsea? And are they going to attack them? Or are Spurs going to sit back, maybe soak up pressure and look to hit Chelsea on the counter-attack? I think that's going to be really interesting to see how Spurs go about it. So I think, again... Really, really interested to see how Spurs do go into the game against Chelsea, how they approach it. But as a whole, for me personally, uh, I think my head tells me a, a point apart. I'd be happy with that. My head obviously wants to say a win, but I'm going to go for a 1-1. I think for Tottenham, a 1-1 would signify, again, a really, really step in the right direction up against the top four, top six clubs where Spurs have been renowned to some degree to struggle. I know we got uh, points up against Liverpool last season at Anfield and we went away to City and win as well. But Spurs have always struggled to really, really show their ascendancy against the top four, top six. And that's why I'm really intrigued to see how we do approach it. But I think squad-wise, as I mentioned, we'll pick the similar amount in terms of the players that were available up against Saints. And... This is the game where you need your big players to step up. I just think Chelsea at the moment, from what I've seen from them so far, they really ground out that win against Everton. It wasn't, I don't believe, anywhere near convincing. That shows me a team that is challenging for the title. It shows me a team that's in transition, that's still doing their summer work, even in the back end now as we approach middle of August. So intrigued to see the season that has Chelsea ahead. But again, I think... For me personally, I'm going to go for a 1-1. As always, Chidge, thanks so much for having me on the show. Hope you boys keep safe and well. And, you know, I can't wish you best of luck for the fixture. I shouldn't really be wishing you best of luck for the season, really, being a Spurs fan. But I hope you guys are all well. Thanks so much, as always. Oh, brilliant. There we go. Ricky Sachs, as always. I mean, I was going to say, the most optimistic Spurs fan of all time. But actually, he's not. I remember talking to him last season and... And, and seasons before, and he's actually been quite realistic about about them as well, and he's quite deferential to us. Uh, now, we're going to go for a quick break, and then we're going to give you our preview of the Chelsea Spurs match, so don't go away. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea. 
Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge and I am joined as ever by uh, the man with a uh, kind of a, it's it's almost a Freddie Mercury moustache these days, but there's a little bit of a goatee thing going on. There's an absolutely fabulous t-shirt. I mean, I have to say, Jonathan Kidd should be a Chelsea t-shirt model. He has them. I think he's got the best collection of Chelsea t-shirts. You've got a Wamata t-shirt on. I know. Very rare. Yeah. Delicious, mate. They sold it briefly in the club shop when I nabbed it. They've made him look like Stanford the Lion, weirdly. Yeah, he's a sort of Lego figure. It doesn't really... I think they did a selection of them. There's a Frank Lampard Lego figure. I didn't like that one. I didn't buy that one. But there wasn't another matter that I came across. So, uh, yeah, I go in and cherry pick which ones I like when I go into the club shop. So, uh, yeah, I've got some... um, I've got a Jorginho one. I haven't taken it out of its plastic bag. I'm not sure I'll ever wear it. But, Has uh, it managed to find its way out of its plastic bag, you could say? A bit like no, a, it, yeah. it's in that's passing to itself all the time. So. Indeed. All right. Good to see you, mate. We've also got the absolutely brilliant Martin Wickham, one of my favourite people on the planet, as he well knows, particularly when I see him in a pub, which will not, yeah. not be long. Uh, hopefully Sunday, yeah. Um, is that an 8-bit? rendition of one matter rather than lego it's like 8-bit computer or something like that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. the blocky look on it yeah yeah it's a bit weird but i like it i like it a lot now we will talk about what ricky said throughout this part obviously because it'll come into what we want to talk about but uh, as as always as we always do uh i start with my well i was going to say my shonky team selections but jk as we all know on, on monday i I'm on a bit of a roll. I did brilliantly in the Prem predictions. Was second at one point before I northed up on the City result, and I got the team selection spot on. So, therefore, what do you do when you've made a spot on team selection? You change it, of course. Of course, you, you change get it. Wrong immediately. And you, you get, get it wrong immediately. Exactly. You, you pick an injured player. <laughs> exactly that. I'm true to form. If it ain't broke, break it more. Right. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, I didn't know that Kovacic was not fit. So. Um, given that I was already torn, as I did mention even before I knew that about Jorginho, because of the whole counter-attack, he's vulnerable. But on the other hand, if you want to stop a counter-attack, you've got to keep the ball, and he's great at that. I'm going to wheel Jorginho straight back in for Kovacic, and then I shall go and hide in a darkened room as an, as an atonement for my stupidity later on. All right, so there we go. So Jorginho's in for Kovacic. But other than that, not not. I mean, it's broadly the same, but I've made a few changes. Mendy in goal, absolutely. Koulibaly, absolutely brilliant. Silver, brilliant. I'm sorry, I, I took on board what JK had to say about Dave on Monday. I don't think that he has the legs for this kind of a match. If they're going to hit us on the break, which they will, they've got a lot of fit, fast players. So Trevo has to come in as the third right, uh, as the right ha- uh, right centre back. So Trevo gets the nod for me. Uh, midfield, Kante and Jorginho, as I was saying. Uh, James as the right wing back. I, you know, I know he had a. It wasn't brilliant against Everton, but he's too good not to come and shine eventually. And I hope he will. In, in, uh, on, he, he'll, obviously, he'll love playing against Spurs too. So he's a shoe in. Obviously, um, I would go Cucurella rather than uh, Chilwell. Not because I don't rate Chilwell. I just don't think that Chilwell's up to speed yet. Um, you know, uh, Con, uh, Tuchel admitted as much, didn't he, by taking him off and saying he was going to anyway. Cucurella, I thought, was brilliant. And he's clearly fitter than all the other players. And I think we're going to need fit players on Sunday. And I just thought the way he links up play was brilliant. So he he gets the nod for me. And it's the same as it was against Everton up front. Now, they weren't massively brilliant. But they'll get better. They'll get fitter. But I think actually it's important that if these are the three players that Tuchel thinks are going to do the business up front, 
play them for a few matches so they get to understand and know how each other plays, and then you'll get the best out of them. So I've stuck with that. JK? Um, yes, Kukurea is... Uh, Sorry, Kukurea! Kukurea! I think it is, in fact, it's just the Brighton song, isn't it? That's the trouble. They've just in, taken over the Brighton song. You think, wish they'd come up with something original. But no, um, uh, yeah, I think I think he's gonna put, he's gonna keep um, Chile out. I think the only reason he didn't play in the Everton game because he's he was much fitter than than Chilwell is because it's the policy he has of not putting players in immediately if they've just arrived, whatever whatever reason. He, uh, that, that it seemed to me that he should really on on the display that Chilwell put, which was just he's just slightly off it, even though he made a very good run for the penalty. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, I, I I actually having discussed the Chalabar and uh, replacing Dave thing, um, he mentioned uh, on the press conference a three of Kulabali Silva and and Aspilicueta as almost being the norm um, until they buy someone because he's in for someone. He said he would still like a centre half. So I suspect that that Dave will play again. I, I agree completely about if if about the whole business of he admitted himself. Dave said that that he played that he had two games playing or I'm sorry two months playing wing back when Reese James was injured and he said his legs were shattered as a consequence so perhaps it's okay if he plays him in the three with his legs not running because the full the the wing back has to do a lot of the running I mean one of the things I know Saar has hooray gone to Monaco this week but one of the one of the not things far he did, enough. No, one of the things only on only on loan ah! one of the things he did do was he sprinted back very well, Saar. The trouble was, was he'd sprint back in the wrong direction and miss where the ball was. But that's that's you know that's just unfortunate. But um, uh, and yes, as we saw, Silva isn't the man to deal with counterattacks. And that wonderful moment when he was overtaken by was it Gordon? But he then managed to get his body in the right place to stop the shot. It was uh, very revealing that. But yeah, um, uh, Kante hasn't come back being. Um, the better player that we thought he would be. He's still now prone to giving the ball away in a way that he wasn't before. But he'll keep he'll keep the two Conte and 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 um uh and Jorginho, as you say. And he was interesting about Sterling. He said he plays beautifully in the holes. He said he found him he found him a very intelligent footballer, he said today in the press conference, which is fascinating actually to see how um to some extent it makes me wonder why on earth they ever bought Lukaku. Why on earth they ever conjured the idea? Because this is Sterling appears to be the kind of player that he likes having up front, like with as not a false An nine, just something in, intelligent, move, great movement, going into the holes. Is what he said today. Mm. You think, well, Lukaku just made no effort at all to do any of that. So, what on earth did they purchase him for? Um, but yeah, we've got to somehow have Havertz and Mount. I agree completely. You'll play the same three, um, but I, they've got to somehow. Um, uh, just, just gel together, and it'll happen. I think you say it'll happen. Yeah. Because, because, Havertz was was the silky German was was um, was not involved. But, but it's against... we've had one yeah. game and a shonky preseason. It, 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 I'm not also, worried. I have to say, yeah, yeah. But, but um, um, Ricky, Ricky came in with this wonderful optimism that I love with Spurs, which because they, they beat Southampton four one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, for goodness sake. Daryl, Daryl, our, our great mate Daryl, who's the bastion of the, uh, of the, um, of the Discord group, uh, said this is, I've got to read this to you because it's, it's priceless. Martin yeah. will laugh his cock off at this. Daryl says they play one game against relegation candidate Southampton and, they, and they've given it the biggin. Yeah. Which I thought was a lovely play on, on, uh, on what Frank, Frank, Frank said. So there you go. Uh, Martin, what, what say you of my uh, half-assed uh, team selection and really bring some sense and order to it? Well, I can't see Tuckle being brave and dropping Jorginho. So I would imagine that's how it's going to play out now. I would, wouldn't have minded seeing Gallagher um, at some stage, but we've got five substitutes now. So no doubt he'll play at some point to give a bit of energy. Main concern is that, um, you know, some of the doziness that was happening last week will be punished if it happens again this time. So got to cut out the mistakes, got to be more sensible with possession, talk to each other. It looked like there was some communication breakdowns, hence the, you know, silver going ape shit at a few people last week. Um, hopefully a week on the training ground, no, messing around with travel, bit of focus now, the league's back, they know it's the season started, hopefully that'll sharpen that up, so yeah with the obvious, you know Kovacic being injured, put Jorginho in his place, can't really see anything anything that sticks out as what what I would do instead um, I know there was some clamouring for Conor Gallagher, um, I think he'll get his chance Um just the five substitutes mean he will play, he will get minutes and he'll get a chance to force his way in. So we'll see. I was also impressed a little bit with Loftus Cheek when he came on. So you never know. I can't see any curveballs being thrown this early in the season, but I've been proven wrong enough times on that. So we'll see. And uh, Tuchel's not really that. He's not really the one to throw a curveball. Let, let's have a think about... Well he, well, he was at one point. He's not now. He seems no, to be no, he's got a, quite, little, a yeah. little bit set in his ways, exactly which is that. bad, but I'm guessing he's got more pressure on him now. Well, so. indeed, and I think that's going to be... A, 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 that's going to figure this season. I think he was well bedded in under Roman, but things may be different now because of the new owners. Now, um, you know, Ricky says some interesting things, and actually, you know, we were saying much the same with Adam earlier on, JK, weren't we? You know, we know Conte. We know what a good manager he is. I think, as I said earlier on, Tuchel is right to, to have a, a lot of respect on him. And I, I actually said I did a piece for Ricky for their show, like he did for ours. And I said that, you know, um, and Conte won the title at Chelsea with basically quite an average Chelsea side for Chelsea. I mean, I know we had Hazard, which always makes a huge difference, but it wasn't certainly the best Chelsea team to have won the Premier League title. So we know what he can do. And I wonder if he has begun to put his stamp on Spurs. He's got it. Ricky was right. You know, he's made some excellent transfers this summer. He got him in early. He knew what he wanted. Uh, he seems to be assembling a decent team there. Um, you know, should should we be a bit concerned? Adam seems to think so. Should we be a bit concerned about them uh, clearly being a rival for top four? But uh, beyond that, uh, I mean, God, I mean, it, the most unbearable thing that I can think of would be for Spurs to win any sort of a trophy. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't even give them, you know, as Alex uh, Ferguson famously said, I wouldn't even give them a virus, let alone the League Cup. But, I mean, what do you think? Are you worried a bit? No. Yes, I love Jonathan Kidd. There you go. This is why I have you on the show. Occasionally you will come out with that. Brilliant. Lovely. I, I, it's such so early days. And as 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 we've just said, it, they're sort of going mad over pre-season and beating Southampton. And all right, they're going to be fit, but um, you know, we're, a, we're a top team 
And I think basing it on our performance against Everton is just uh, is wrong because they, they the second half was just a canter. It just prevented them from playing. And um, and it was feeling a few things out with Koulibaly, who I think will will have settled in easily. Um, did, you, did you find that the sheer number of substitutions broke the game up quite badly as well? You yeah, very, it, it almost felt impossible to get a rhythm going again once each team had... Well, Chelsea certainly made five substitutions. There's an argument Lampard fucked it up and didn't make his full... Didn't make five because it's five substitutes in three blocks and he used two of them with injuries. But... Um, you have to use them in blocks, do you? I didn't realise. Yeah, yeah, this is some I didn't realise. Someone, I think it was Barry Glendening said it that Lampard made two substitutions early because of the Gordon, not Gordon, Godfrey injury. Godfrey, then Godfrey Mina, injury. but he didn't bring on anyone in addition to Mina. So when it got to the last block, he couldn't use all his substitutions because you can only make three at a time. So he left one. He left. He donated uh, one. Right. He donated well, no, one I, to charity I, or something like that. But uh, it was an unbelievably um, bitty game because of yeah. the. The, the person in the crowd being ill and the game stopping because of yeah. Godfrey's injury, because of Mina's injury, we, everything took a long time. And yeah. and bless his cotton socks, Paulson added the correct time on, which yeah, was, was absolutely I mean, bizarre. Because the, the highlight of that for me, the ground was um for some reason Everton had the squad numbers but had the players from last season in them in some cases. So uh, I'm in the ground. So, well, my that was, my right. views restricted already. Armando Breuer comes on. The scoreboard says Ross Barkley. And then this is where I knew it fucked up. It said Cucurella came on and put Lewis Baker's name up. I was like, okay, that, but because everyone was saying Breuer came. I was like, did he? Yeah. And then <laughs> I should have known Ross Barkley hadn't come on because he wasn't boo to the high heavens when yeah. he <laughs> when a number eighteen touched the ball. But it was it was very strange. It wasn't there wasn't just sluggishness on the pitch, I can tell you. <laughs> Um, Martin, I, I I take it like J.K. You're not overtly worried. I mean, I I I think is, I mean, it's an interesting point, isn't it? You know, it is one game. There were mitigating factors going on all over the park on uh, Everton last weekend, but nevertheless, Spurs are I think ahead of us at this stage in terms of uh, their their seasons prep. We had a horrible preseason. They had a decent one. They're fitter, I think, at the moment. They've made a lot of transfers and seem seems to have sorted that business out. We haven't necessarily finished. You know, there's those, it's classic kind of early season issues here. And I said on, on Monday that it's actually very unusual for us to play Spurs this early in the season. I don't think we've ever played Spurs at the bridge this early in the season. So that's unusual. And it's, it's the kind of match I, I, I don't like playing it this time of the season because I don't feel the season's got going. So that's why I'm a bit worried about what might happen on Sunday because I think they are ahead of us in the terms that I put it. Uh, I think they're still, you know, I think once we get going, uh, they well, will. As know. Clayton said on Monday, we're at least two weeks behind yeah. in terms of preparation. And I, I think in addition to that, you can add three months because the club was basically frozen from. Mu- mid-March through to the end of May, start of June. So there's a lot of things that we're playing catch-up on as a result of the sanctions that were put in place. Um, Yes, Tottenham had a very good pre-season. Also for marketing purposes, let's not get that. They went to Korea for a reason. It's because Hyun Song is God over there. So, you know, let's not, let's not claim that they're, you know, their preparation was all, you know, local and all that stuff. There was a marketing edge to what they were doing, but, you know, can't they, seemingly got them right we'll see how it goes I mean I, I was a bit intrigued by Ricky talking about a title challenge in relation to Chelsea I don't know anyone 
who even the most optimistic of Chelsea fans who said we're going to challenge for the title this year. So I don't know where that's come from. I think, and, I think he might have been talking about Spurs. No, he was talking about he talked about Chelsea he, as well. Okay. And I was just like, no, 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 that's not come from anywhere. You know, in the same way, you know, I think the best Tottenham could do is to split split between Man City and Liverpool. And I, I can't I, I can't see both of them fucking it fucking it up. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, you know, they're also going to be harmed by the World Cup break. Well, the indeed, team, the, the team most able to benefit from a break in the World Cup, hate to say it, Liverpool. Why? Salah, Egypt didn't qualify. Salah stays at home. Uh, I think Diaz, a lot of their players, their key players don't travel to the World Cup mm. because their teams didn't qualify. So they'll be rested. Admit, admittedly, Man City have Haaland, but a lot of their other players will be travelling and the same applies with Tottenham. So, yeah. and, and Chelsea, let's let's have it right. Um, so, we'll see. I mean, it's two games in. Yeah. I mean, just everyone... No pot takes, no snap conclusions. I include myself in that because I occasionally can do it. But let's see how we go. I mean, we need to improve the performance on from last week. That's an absolute, that's a given. That has to happen. Um, and let's we'll see after that. I'm not confident, but then I never am when I play this lot. The fear always takes mm. over beforehand. And then nine times out of ten, it turns out all well, right. Martin, so, you're yeah. right. It, the, the, you're, you, I'm the same, and I'm doing feeling exactly the same. And we've we got not a leg to stand on on this. Uh, since the Premier League started, right, uh, we've played 30, we've played Spurs 30 times in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge. We've won 19, drawn 10, and lost one. That one... I, remember what ha- I remember what happened after we lost the one. I think we had to get blind drunk to get over it. And we can't do that this time. <laughs> no, no. Well, that was, ironically, as Ricky said, Conte was, was the manager and Deli Alley mm. screwed us, didn't he? That's, that's... Well, Ericsson as well scored and a crack. Ericsson, yeah, so that was 3-1 we lost. That was in 2018. And that was on April Fool's Day, of course, if you remember. So that's how very, appropriate. How <laughs> appropriate. But not once. I mean, it's, you know, 19 wins, 10 draws, one loss in 30, 30 games at Stamford Bridge in the league. Uh, and I mean, you know, the last four, Tuchel's done them over and we haven't even conceded a goal, JK. So why why yeah. do we, you know, why do we get a bit wobbly? I mean, maybe it's just us. I think every other Chelsea fan goes, yeah, we'll, we'll hammer them. Shut up, you know. Well, I don't think there'll be any hammering going on, but I think um, it won't be the uh, the the bashing that all the Spurs fans are uh, um, anticipating. Um, but also I think the heat's going to play an enormous, enormous um uh, part in this on on Sunday, I think uh, playing in thirty five degrees, um, it, you're going to have to be very contained. And as as Adam said, he said this this in, as we discussed the, with the with the the way to to pass the ball around to make the opposition run more. Um, I, I I always go into the games, or every Spurs fan goes in thinking they're going to win because they must because. It's a hoodoo that they have to beat in the same way that there will come a time when we will lose in the same way that we suddenly the demon that that Arsenal presented to us. But I think um, it won't become uh, if Spurs do happen to get a result against us, it's not going to be something that's going to be um, consistent in the way that ours has been this because we're we're too we're too strong aside and too elite aside for he will absorb what's happened and then apply it later on in the season if necessary i just don't think it's worth worrying about um uh we're not going to get taken to the cleaners we're not going to get drubbed and i think the worst scenario would be a draw but i think we will 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 pick up a win actually yeah 
Well, I mean, I agree. I think if you if you look at look at our players compared to theirs, I still think we have better players than them at the end of the day, and that's what counts. I think yeah. the only the only worry is what Mars and I were saying about where we are in terms of of, of you know the season because yeah. fitness, sharpness, all yeah. of that will come into it. Um, but we, I mean, for but me, as you said Martin about the, the five. Sorry about the five subs. I think that's very relevant. Yeah. I think. He, it brings them in different stages and it brings Gallagher on and Gallagher can set the place alight, which I think he's very capable of doing. It, 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 uh, it, it could change the tempo completely. Well, our, our bench, as we said on Monday, is immeasurably stronger already this season. And I think, it, you know, that's gone under the radar a bit. I think I, we were all like, whoa, look at that bench against Everton. It, it, it's, we, we, our depth has got better and that's the thing that we've been moaning about for a long time. So that's good to see. I mean, I, look, this record is, is what I think, it, it, the fact that it spurs and and the record that's what makes me wobbly because i it's a match that i never want to even get close to losing you know i never want to lose to this lot anybody else i'll take it just about not this lot and that's why i get a bit wobbly as as jose famously said we you know we we want to win but we cannot lose you know and and i have that mentality about it uh, which is kind of informed i mean the other thing actually, i should tell you this tottenham are chasing this is, i love you know me i love these kind of stats Tottenham are chasing their fifth consecutive Premier League win, something they last achieved in December 2018. So I think those, so they might not get, the, you know, that's odds on for us to win, therefore, I think. Because are you allowed to count the previous season then? Well, that's what they've said in my flash score preview. But I'm saying that's a good omen because, you know, teams that are doing that quite often come a, come a cropper, don't they? Yeah. Um, but that aside, um, and our, our wonderful record, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm actually going to go for a draw here and the reason why i'm going to go for a draw is that obviously we cannot lose i think the players will be bang up for it i think it's actually a good thing that we're playing spurs this early actually because i think it might it might just galvanize them and stoke them up a bit because enough of these players have played in spurs derbies to know what it's about it's the first match home match of the season so we'll be bang up for it uh we'll be in the pubs most of the day so that'll help there'll be a good atmosphere so I can't see us losing, but I'm not sure right at this stage of the season compared to where they are at this stage of the season that we might have enough to win. So I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to go for Desmond, JK. 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Two, two. Yeah, I think I'll go for 1-1, one, one, actually. Mm, yeah. Okay, Martin, what say you? You pessimistic bunch of bastards. I After know. all that, I'm going to say 1-0 Chelsea. Okay, that's not massively opt- optimistic, Martin. Although it is but a I'm win, not, I, I, I can't predict anything other than a Chelsea win when I'm on this show. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that is very much head over heart. Trust me. Yeah, uh, or, or heart over head, even or heart <laughs> over head. Yeah. Well, you know, um, who knows? At the moment, I'm the form player in the uh, Prem Predictions League, but uh, as as we know from my team selection, I'm clearly going to go to shit this week. Probably get you, minus you, you, points. You're, you're going to do a Tottenham, aren't you? Top, no, of the, top you. after week one. Yeah, exactly that. We forgive you the Cova mistake. You just didn't hear. That was I, I generally didn't hear. And I looked on Flash Score as well. And they're very good to sell, tell you who's out and who's not. And they not a dicky bird. Everybody was fit, according to I just to happened to turn on Sky Sports News and it yeah, flashed yeah, up at the bottom. Right, so... Right. Good there fortune. Go. I've had a busy day today, but there you go. Um, but I've had a highly enjoyable evening, thanks to you boys. Uh, and uh, we'll all be back, uh, of course, on Monday for the main Chelsea Fancast show, the Monday night show with me, JK. And guess who we've got on, JK? Um, uh, Mark Meehan? Nope. Um, 
He's just uh, been he's been lost in France for a while. That's a clue. Tony Glover. That's the one. Mr. Glover. The Glover man is back. The right Reverend Tony Glover. So there you go. So we'll be back uh, live uh, on Mixler at 7 p.m. Ah. on the Monday. We'll be looking back against the match at Spurs, of course. Uh, Martin, really brilliant to see you. I'm really pumped for Sunday. I can't wait, mate. Uh, I'll see you see you at the stall and or the cock on Sunday. Yeah, I've got I'm running a bit late as discussed um, off air, but um, yeah, I'll be hopefully down there in plenty of time. Looking forward to seeing everyone again. And yeah. um, the one thing I did notice actually uh, might be a bit of a, a negative point, but um, I think it was Andy Silverman posted a picture of the front of Stamford Bridge as it is now, and it looks like they've taken down the Holocaust Memorial mural. Um, they've, they've, put I, in, they've put it in storage from what I understand. I hope, well, I think it needs to be moved somewhere, maybe not on the front, but somewhere yeah. prominent because it served a, a purpose. And I'd be very disappointed if that was removed as some sort of signal to the wider world that Roman is no longer owner of the club, which is wrong-headed in my view. It should definitely be well, somewhere prominent because as we've you know, seen today with everything that's gone on with Salman Rushdie, I think the, the message is, you know, very pertinent. No, I couldn't agree more. My understanding, and uh, my people have had meetings with their people about this, and... You have people. <laughs> well, I have people, yeah. The trust people, the lovely supporters trust. They've had a few meetings with them, as have a lot of other people. They had a big meeting the other week about all of this and the, all the supporters groups and things like that were there, so it wasn't just the trust. But uh, um, their reasoning, I, as I understand it, is that they're making a real concerted effort to make it more Chelsea, very, very Chelsea-focused. So, you know, they've got their marketing and branding people in and they said it's not Chelsea enough. It needs to say Chelsea everywhere. That's what they're doing with the signage and all of that. And is that they, why they put the retro thing on the yeah, side? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, and they felt that whilst it was very lovely and a very good thing, it wasn't really, you know, there, none of the players on there, from, from what I understand, were associated with Chelsea. So, that, no, none, none of them were. One of them was uh, Arpad Veit, who was a Hungarian yeah. manager. But I've, I've, I'd read some, there's some stuff about him in a recent Jonathan Wilson book, which is quite fascinating. Indeed. But. So there we go. So there's, there was that reason. But it's not been chucked away or binned. It's just been it's in storage. And I suspect that they'll probably think of somewhere else to put it. But uh, they want you know, anywhere around the ground at the moment to be very, very prominently Chelsea picking up on, on the heritage, which is not a bad thing. Okay. So. Is there a planning permission gone in to like install LED fronts? I have no or, idea. Yes. It was, that's, yeah, because I, I would imagine, because I read it and I'm skimming it because I'm not an expert on things like that and it just looked like they wanted to install almost like have the frontage having it, you know, digital image and a la Wembley, a la what Tottenham have as well outside there. Outside the front of their stadium. So there's going to be a lot of chrome going up, it sounds like. Well, we'll see. It'll still be Chelsea to us, whatever well, they do. If it, if it gets passed, because I suspect there'll be some um, objections to anything very prominent, which will destroy the the uh, the bijou quality of the area. Well, surely if so, it's shut down after a certain time, it's not going to cause any... No, that's true. It, it's all it's all in the... Um, I, I read it all. It was all between 7 o'clock and there were certain time limits to when I it mean, could they, be I mean, they, they, they were sticking up Christmas lights the size, <laughs> which were um, unbelievable at times. So I don't see how you could have yeah, on those grounds. But, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it's like. I have to say, I found the Chelsea Football Club logo on the side of the of the uh, um, the, the stand. Really I think it was the East emotional. stand, wasn't it? Stand. It's exactly in the same place as when I was little and I used to come in with my dad. It's slightly smaller because it's not as big. A, um, uh, the, the bit they've chosen isn't as, bi- isn't as big as the, the side of the original East Stand, obviously. But it's much bigger than the little concession on the side of the shed. Do you remember there was a 
poll as to what font you would like. Would you like the original font? And I went, yes, it's going to be the same size. Great, I'd love it. And then it came in and it was slightly titchy and you thought, oh, I don't really care what font it is, really. You can hardly see it. I'm, I'm a typography this, nerd, so I'll pick up on things like that. <laughs> <laughs> this was just, this is fun, the same font and the same white with a, with a it was, it was a blue backing before, but it's just dark, dark blue, but it just looks great to me. That was, I thought that was a very good, um, good thing to have done. Nice, nice retro thing to to have uh, to have pointed out to have uh, to have created. Indeed. So there you go. We'll we'll be well. I, I'm excited as a as a young boy to be going back to the place I love most in the world on Sunday. Martin is, I know. J.K. will be back in the uh, back in Aussies on Sunday. I will be. Yeah, looking forward to it. Very much so. Alex Churchill is my guest. Oh, lovely! I'll give her a massive hug and a kiss from me. I will indeed. And uh, just to say. While cycling back from Hammersmith to Putney, I met the wonderful Mark Meehan. No the, way. The brain of Stamford Bridge, sitting outside Riverside Studios. Wow. So, uh, And it was a, a, a gorgeous meeting. Well met, Mark. Very, very good fun. Well met, as uh, they say, in a Midsummer Night's Dream. So there we go. Uh, what a poetic way to end the Chelsea Fancast uh, Friday Night Preview Show. Who knew? Um, we will, of course, be back on Monday, as I said, at 7pm live on Mixler to talk about the Spurs match. Until then, massive thanks to Martin and Jonathan and thank you lot for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it Chels. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.